Man, that sunset is gorgeous. Grill, patio, sunset. Hard to get better than that. Unless you're browsing Carvana's inventory while you soak it all in. Oh, burger time. So sit back, get comfortable. Carvana's got thousands of cars under $20,000 just waiting for you. I could stay here forever. Carvana, where car buying meets comfort meets convenience. Download the app or visit Carvana.com today. What makes a life a good one? Is it the adventure you have? Or the friends you find along the way? Maybe it's pursuing your passion while striving to protect, defend, and save what you believe in every single day. So, what makes a life a good one? In the Coast Guard, we think it's all of the above and more. But you'll have to find out for yourself. Visit GoCoastGuard.com to learn more. The following podcast is a Dear Media production. Hey everyone, I'm Jacqueline Johnson, the founder and CEO of Create and Cultivate, and this is Work Party, a podcast for a new generation of women who are ditching the rulebook and redefining the meaning of work on their own terms. In each episode, we bring in leading female entrepreneurs for real talk advice on the topics that matter most to the modern career woman from hiring to mentorship to raising money and so much more. Whether you're pivoting to a new industry, negotiating a raise, turning your side hustle into a full-time gig or pitching your company to investors, we're giving you the tips and tricks you need to take your career to the next level. Ready to make some money moves? Well, welcome to Work Party, the podcast. So many brands can attribute success to social media stardom, but very few elicit the cult-like fandom of Lisa Sesga. After years of working in fast fashion, founder and CEO Lisa Mueller found herself searching for sustainable pieces that were more accessible to the average millennial. What started as a curation of quirky statement pieces by a small, sustainable woman-owned business, Lisa Sesga forged a new path in the e-commerce space as the anti-shop kind of shop, one where community, inspiration, diversity, discovery, and a little bit of nostalgia are pillars to its success. I'm so excited to talk to Lisa about all things Ga and learn how she created and scaled one of today's most sought-after brands by saying no to fast fashion. So with that, let's welcome to the work party, Lisa. Hi. Hi. So I'm so excited to chat with you. As mentioned, you we're all over the internet and still are um, when it comes to social media and seeing some of my favorite influencers wear your brand. So your career began before the e-commerce boom, first in wholesale showrooms and eventually as an early buyer for Nasty Gal. When did you first become interested in fashion and how did the early career moves impact your path to then starting your own thing? Well, I'm a child of the 90s, so I, I definitely think I was influenced by the era of fashion magazines and supermodels and girl power. And I was really drawn to the power that fashion held. I wasn't quite sure what I wanted to do in fashion as a whole, but after college, I started working at a showroom where I represented designers. So I worked on the back end of things in wholesale, kind of the third party. So it was really educated me to see both like customer facing sides and also like what happens on the production uh, and planning side. So that really kind of got me started to my career and I really wanted to kind of move into the buying side when, and then I started working as a buyer, but I would say now I, I kind of have used both sides of skills 
and the wholesale side and kind of the planning and development of product to, to the marketing and promotion and, and selling. Yeah. I mean, I love that. So for people who might not be in the fashion industry, can you describe like what a showroom is and like why people become part of it and what kind of goes down there? Yeah. A showroom is selling a place to sell collections to retailers. So when the collection is ready and, and typically, and I suppose like when I first started, it was very much the way business was done and it has changed quite a bit over the years. But for example, we'd have a spring collection that we would have the entire collection to sell. And I would show the buyers all the product, telling them the wholesale price, what the markup would be. And they would go and pick through what they, what curation they would want for their particular store and their customer and found out that the customers really varied and very different. Yeah, no, I love that. And I love that you were able to dive into the business side of the business before getting into sort of, I guess people would say the more fun side of the business. So after yeah. about a decade in the industry, you created Lisa Says Gap, a space where independent design and community could thrive. What was the light bulb moment for the brand and what inspired you to pursue what many are calling slow fashion? Coming from fast fashion, I was really on the hunt for a place of discovery and community, really a more authentic shopping experience that I could personally relate to and be inspired by. So I, I did start out kind of anti-fast fashion and, and saying no to that and saying ga to, you know, these designers that I wanted to create a platform for. So I started with a blog of images to really create the mood for the shop and the aesthetic. And that's what I really use to talk to designers. Like, this is the idea. This is kind of the vibe and kind of the community I wanted to build for, yeah, the anti-shop shop. The anti-shop shop. And I love the name. It's so creative and super fun. And prior to launching, you actually moved from LA to San Francisco, a city where fashion is not obviously the forefront yeah. of industry there. So how did you go about getting the business off the ground? And in what ways were you impacted by this new environment of being in San Francisco? I moved to San Francisco uh, to be with my partner, Louie, and we had done the long distance thing for quite some time. So it was getting to the point where someone had to make a move. And, and that was me at the time. I loved my job at Nasty Gal and it was a really difficult decision, but it really allowed for me to kind of have this moment in between and being in San Francisco where I realized all these more corporate retail environment really wasn't going to be a fit for me. And, and that kind of got me thinking about what I, what I could do if I set out um, to do something on my own. And, and what I really took from past jobs was I really liked sharing the stories and really connecting with the, the designers and really help cure a presentation for, for the customer. So that's kind of the idea where it started with LSG and, and yeah, we, I would say even just being online, being in San Francisco really kind of helped put a spotlight on us from the early days, just because of the lack of like fashion there. Totally. Like big fish, small pond. Yeah. Not necessarily a bad thing. And obviously, as you mentioned, the technology, obviously San Francisco is like the hub of technology. Mm -hmm. Lisa says God is considered one of the first ever Instagram brands that really marked Instagram's transformation from social media app to player in the commerce space. So was social media always built into this brand strategy? What role does it play now? Like how have you really leveraged that to create your own success? Instagram really allowed for that peer-to-peer -peer relationship to develop with our customer over time, especially being a brand that's not self-funded with a lot of 
capital to spend on marketing. I was really a place where we could grow organically and, and quickly because our aesthetic really was different for a brand. You know, we were seen as like using models that weren't models and, and kind of had more behind the scenes where people really weren't doing that, uh, especially in the early Insta days. We stood out and really got to connect that peer-to-peer with our audience. And I, I think that really developed a, like initial organic uh, and authentic relationship. And we've seen it in real time sort of happen, this glossy Instagram, mm-hmm. beautifully shot editorial to more of a selfie style. And your product imagery is shot predominantly on film or iPhones, having that nostalgic, as you mentioned, 90s feel. So mm-hmm. did you know that that was going to resonate so much? Or was it sort of like a, I like this style, other people might like it too, and kind of just wait and see what happens? Yes. I'd say with a mood board vision that I had, the film and iPhone really carried that authentic down to earth approach uh, that felt very natural to capture. Also, I did all the photography for years and being an amateur photographer, I think kind of played into that and just film is a little bit more forgiving and, you know, something I really enjoyed and I knew the outcome I wanted, but wasn't a skilled photographer. But I think that was kind of like the whole point and just to be like really relatable anti-shop kind of an unedited look felt like that really connected with with the shopper hey work party listeners taking a quick pause to shout out linkedin jobs a brand we love that also supports this podcast 2021 was a year of major career changes for so many people and i have a hunch it's going to be a continuing trend in 2022 especially with the great resignation it's such an exciting time for companies to find new talent as the pool of qualified candidates seems to be growing bigger and bigger if you've been manifesting growth for your team or business then now is the time While the idea of expanding your team is really exciting, the vetting process can be taxing and overwhelming, especially when you still have your everyday to-dos to power through. But this is your team we're talking about, the people that are going to have your back and lead your vision even further towards success. Intention and care are so important when finding the right people for the job. LinkedIn jobs exist for just that reason. They're taking the heavy lifting off of your hiring process. My team is rapidly growing, so I've been eager to take any help that'll make the process more efficient. Here's how it works. Go to linkedin.com slash party and create a free job posting. From there, you'll add a few screening questions. This makes sure your role only ends up in front of the most qualified candidates. And a side note, these job postings reach over 770 million people. That is a massive audience. The real magic happens once the candidates start rolling in. Simple and easy to use tools allow you to quickly filter and prioritize who you would like to interview and eventually hire. The whole process is seamless. So seamless that small businesses actually rated LinkedIn jobs number one in delivering quality hires versus leading competitors platforms. So if you've been thinking about expanding your team, I think this is your sign. LinkedIn jobs helps you find the candidates you want to talk to faster. Did you know every week, nearly 40 million job seekers visit LinkedIn? Post your job for free at linkedin.com slash party. That's linkedin.com slash party to post your job for free. Terms and conditions apply. Hi, I'm Haley Hubbard. Hi, I'm Jessica Diamond. This is our show, Meaningful Living, where we break down the overwhelming amount of parenting, lifestyle, and relationship information into credible and digestible knowledge and tools. Parenting is hard and the thousands of decisions we're forced to make every day can feel daunting. 
While we've never had access to so much information, it's never been harder to find the knowledge we need to feel confident in the choices we make. We're sharing completely uncensored information here. It can be messy, but it's always fun and always real. Check out Meaningful Living anywhere you listen to your podcast. It takes a village and we can't wait for you to join ours. You've gone on to do really amazing marketing outside of Instagram. For instance, you've partnered with brands like Fred Siegel's and Heaven's Market Wine for limited time shopping experiences. So tell us a little bit about this like pop-up IRL model that you've been doing and, and why you decided to go down that path. Yeah, I, I think that we really have always connected with customer in person. When I first launched the shop, actually seven pop-ups in San Francisco the first year at an art gallery, magazine stand, even an ice cream shop. And it was a lot of work and a lot of time to like move product in and really not a big dollar-wise payoff. So, But I think it's really important to establish that connection with the customer and allow them to see the product and experience it. It's really great for feedback too. So we could really build that relationship and understand like how we can make that experience better. Yeah. I love that. I mean, it's outside of the box. These other businesses need to attract other ice cream eaters, other people that (laughs) will come in for that stuff. So I think that's a great way to kind of go about it. I do want to learn a little bit from you more about the community that you've built. You've built this really adamant community of women who are, you know, incredible, appreciate the slow fashion. And like, obviously the designs you have are super fun and, and nostalgic in that way. How have you been able to maintain that authenticity as you've been growing and building the business? Yeah, I would say it's been easy to do. And I would, I keep going back to, I think being self-funded really allowed for like slow, reasonable growth and just being bootstrapped kind of makes decisions more thoughtful and more authentic because you, you have such limited resources. So you have to be really careful and thoughtful and So I think it's been really great that we've been able to maintain our authenticity and just really kind of continue to connect and grow with our audience, with our customer. And and the team is is still quite small. And I think that just is so embedded in in who we are. And and that's just like what we always kind of turn back to when making new decisions. Yeah. And obviously, as you've mentioned, you've, you've bootstrapped the business. And these days, it seems like everyone's raising millions of dollars. There's all these massive brands what lessons have you learned? Like what are the pros and cons you think of bootstrapping and is raising money in your future? Well, having funds allows for really rapid growth and which is really great, but I think having limited resources just allows for more creative thinking and allows us to kind of focus in on how we can make quick changes and make small corrections where there's like less people to answer to and and to move things forward. So in a lot of ways, being more nimble just allows for being able to react faster to, you know, how much has really changed in the last couple of years too with the pandemic. And, and we were able to kind of pivot with how, how we shot because we would, I would shoot photography like outside of this office, just me and the model. And, you know, with such low production, it allowed for us to kind of continue in a way that was, you know, doable for our size business. And I think being small has really been an advantage, especially the last couple of years. Totally agree. And I love that. I do think having 
limited funds to your point does make you scrappier. It makes you more innovative. And again, in the last couple of years, given all the challenges that small businesses have had allows you to pivot. So mm-hmm. let's all, let's speak about challenges. Let's talk about product sourcing and production. A lot of our guests that have been on the podcast, the last five or six episodes, all are talking about supply chain and issues they might be having. So give us a little bit of information on the product, the packaging, you are dedicated to sustainability, which is amazing. Can you tell us a little bit more about creating the sustainable business, how you're able to source your products and any challenges you might be having? Yes. My advice would be to start local. We started our in-house collection locally in San Francisco. We got dead stock linen fabric here in San Francisco. We found a small local factory and just, you know, being able to establish that relationship with our partners and build trust and kind of develop standards has been really helpful. So I think in as close to the product, especially initially, is important. And we do still manufacture mostly in California. So we weren't hit with the supply chain issue, thankfully, recently. Prices have gone up even locally, but we've just been able to do it so close to home where we, we're, again, like able to pivot and make some changes. And I think when you do start a brand, having that connection close is really great to start. And you can always expand as you learn down the road. Yeah, absolutely. And for people who might not be familiar, like, can you talk a little bit about what dead stock fabric is and and how you sort of utilize that and the impact it has? Yeah. Dead stock fabric is fabric that was overbought from someone else. So it's just laying around extra. So it was already purchased and, and typically it's a bit aged. So you kind of have to go through and make sure there's no damages or color issues but it's a really great option for something that's a little bit more affordable and just like available. So you don't have to order or wait for it to be produced. It's already kind of laying around ready, ready to be used. You just have to be mindful of how much, how much yardage you have and the quality if it, if it is aged. Yeah, absolutely. It's so cool. It's fun. It's like, it almost has a second life in that way. So for our listeners who aren't familiar with the brand, how would you define the term GA? I would say it's the opposite of uh. It's really that reaction to something kind of in an unexpected way. It's an emotion and feeling, and that's really embedded in the branding. And coming from San Francisco, you know, it's kind of like old world charm meets of the momentness. And I feel like that's really connected to the brand. And it's so visceral and and such a, you know, feeling that comes through. And I think, you know, that's it's just like a lot of fun. And we try to have fun, and that comes through through the curation that we put together. Totally. I love it so much because I also feel like fashion is an industry that takes itself too seriously across Mm -hmm. the board Mm -hmm. and to have a name that's sort of like fun and emotive and has like this energy that feels like, meh, we're not trying to like like, be anything like too (laughs) cool or anything. I really enjoyed that. So obviously you've been in the fashion industry for a long time on every side of uh, the business. So what change would you like to see in fashion in 2022 and beyond? Well, I think it's very clear that continuing efforts to be more mindful of the planet when producing, packaging, and even shipping goods, you know, we've been really mindful of starting that way, but just continuing, you know, as we grow the collection to use more recycled materials, local and organic when possible. And I think, you know, that's kind of the standard that everyone's taking and kind of what we need to be doing moving forward. Hey there, we're taking a quick break to talk about one of our sponsors, OneSkin. It's our sponsors that keep the work party going, so we really appreciate your support. 
One of the many perks of hosting a podcast is having the unique opportunity to test out the latest and greatest products on the market and then getting to share my absolute favorites with you, our community. There are so many incredible brands out there, but as the market gets more and more saturated with similar products, sometimes it can be hard to decipher which brands have actually earned their spot on your beauty counter and are worth investing in. The latest brand I'm currently obsessed with is OneSkin because they truly change the way I think about skincare. In fact, they don't even like to refer to themselves as a skincare company. They're a longevity company. What that means is they're all about moving the focus from anti-aging regimens to healthy aging regimens. OS1 is OneSkin's topical supplement that works as a daily moisturizer. It's powered by their proprietary peptide, the first peptide scientifically proven to reduce the biological age of skin. Reverse aging, sign me up. I've spent some quality time with the OS1 formula and I can confirm it's super gentle and suits all skin types. It works as a preventative and reparative treatment. So right off the bat, my skin feels more hydrated. After a few weeks of using the product, I started noticing a huge improvement in my fine lines and stronger skin in general. It's a super lightweight formula, so I use it in the morning when I wake up and right before I go to bed. OneSkin is unique because their PhD level aging experts are all women that have firsthand experience that you can trust. A lot of brands claim they're anti-aging, but only a few can really measure your skin's biological age. I love OneSkin because of their focus on the root cause rather than just trying to put a band-aid on anti-aging. I can't say enough about this product. It's so clean, so effective, and a one-stop shop for so many of your skincare needs. If you feel like reducing your biological age and having soft, supple, glowing, and radiant skin, then make sure you check out OneSkin today. I have a code for you guys, so you're definitely going to want to take advantage of it while you can. Visit oneskin.co slash party and use code party for 15% off your first purchase. The code applies to one-time purchases in the first order of a subscription purchase. That's O-N-E-S-K-I-N dot C-O slash party and use code party for 15% off your first purchase. So what does the future of Lisa Says Ga look like? Well, there's lots of cute shoes in the future uh, that we're working on and we are launching Swim for the first time this spring. So I think just like expanding into new categories and we have really exciting collaborations coming up. Amazing. Well, we can't wait to hear about it and see it. So we're going to wrap with some sentence finishers. Are you ready? Ready. Okay. The best money advice I've ever received is? Don't take it if you don't need it. Love it from a self-funded <laughs> sister. The most recent moment on my career highlight reel was? We are launching a pop-in at Nordstrom uh, and nine of their pop-in locations that we curated with Olivia Kim this Friday. So really excited to launch launch with them. That's amazing. I feel like Nordstrom is like a perfect match for you guys. That's awesome. My favorite piece on Lisa Says Ga right now is... I'm going to say this necklace I'm wearing is our jewelry that's hand-blown glass uh, made in New York. Oh my God, beautiful. I also see this black and white shirt that I'm like, I need to get. It looks so cute. Thank you so much, Lisa, for being on the podcast. It's been so fun to watch your success. Where can people follow you on social media and shop Lisa Says Ga? LisaSaysGod.com and at LisaSaysGod. Amazing. Thank you. Thank you so much. For more inspiring conversations like this one, follow the Work Party Podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to your podcasts. If you enjoyed today's episode, make sure to rate and review us or show us some love on social. We love seeing you tune in every week and share your favorite episodes. We're at Work Party on Instagram and at It's a Work Party on Facebook and Twitter. I'm your host, Jacqueline Johnson, and this is work party.